Hello, welcome to Information Operation. We'll get the show going here shortly. We at CDM really pride ourselves on bringing you the best news and tip of the spear news and interviews from around the world with geopolitical situations. This interview is no different. Uh, Joshua Klein is a Breitbart journalist, but he's also uh, right in the middle of the information flow coming in and out of Israel internally and externally. So this is going to be the best update you'll get anywhere. And I think you'll find it uh, very interesting. It's the second in our series of, of interviews of people directly from Israel. And I'm promising you over the next few days, we're going to have several more, which are just as powerful, even more so with some of the survivors of the recent uh, incidents down in the southern Israeli area. There's no doubt that Iran is behind this attack in many ways. I, I think everyone will admit that uh, the level of cyber attacks, et cetera, suggest a state actor. And the question is, um, you know, long term, what are we going to do about Iran? I just spent years dealing and learning and meeting and spending time with the Iranian resistance, the Mujahideen Kalk or the MEK. I spent time in their camp in Albania, uh, a lot of time, actually, multiple trips. I spent time in their headquarters in Paris and saw their operation to being satellite information into Iran. They are trying to take down the mullahs for the last four decades. And they have uh, an extremely sophisticated network internally and externally out of the country. And it's the one thing the mullahs fear, the MEK. And uh, there's been 130,000 of the MEK executed by the regime. And so these people are serious about ending this uh, tyranny in Iran. You can get the book. It was just released. It's called Paying the Price, The Untold Story of the Iranian Resistance. It's available anywhere. If you send me an email on CDM, contact at creativedestructionmedia.com. I'll send you a signed copy. And uh, anyway, it, the book is available anywhere. It's on ebook and anywhere books are sold, or you can go direct to historyofbooks.com, the publisher. So with that, I'm going to get right to our interview with Joshua Klein. Thank you. It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. The investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired. What you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations. Arise to support the impeachment. President Donald J. Trump. And I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. So welcome back to Information Operation. We like to pride ourselves on bringing you the best news on global situations around the world. And today we have with us Joshua Klein, who is a former IDF sniper uh, Breitbart journalist, uh, but also was one of the three strategists in getting BB Netanyahu elected. So welcome to the show, Joshua. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Always been looking forward. So uh, we met uh, in Europe a few months back on a on an event. Um, but tell us, I guess the question everybody wants to know is how did this happen in Israel? I mean, I've been down to Zderot and Ashkelon and that area, and it's very heavily fortified. There's been stuff going on for a decade or more, rocket fire, et cetera. How do you think this happened? Well, I guess, I mean, it's multifaceted. I know the last time you were there, because a lot has changed in the mm -hmm. past five years, uh, yeah. their posture, um, 
so that's just uh, one thing to take into, into consideration. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that's the question that everyone is asking. How did this happen? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's not specific answers to every little thing, but there's an overall assessment, a picture, an overall under, under, understanding and rather misunderstanding based on the intelligence community, based on the political security community, um, their assessment of Hamas, which is the terrorist group that is in control and has been in control of the Gaza Strip and which the imminent operation um, that the IDF is about to launch, the goal mm -hmm. is to remove them from power. Um, yeah. So the assessment up until now was for literally the past two years, the last time that there was any direct fighting in the Gaza Strip between the IDF and Hamas was May of 2021. So since then, the assessment has been that they are deterred. They are not mm -hmm. interested in, you know, a military conflict with Israel. They're more interested in governing, more interested in building up the infrastructure. Hmm. So that, that was really a huge uh, facet and basis of, of every downstream. Everything was based off of that assessment. Um, in addition to that, a lot has changed literally down uh, south. Uh, the border between Israel and Gaza is about, mm -hmm. about 30 miles at the longest. Um, there's mm -hmm. a huge border wall. It's about 20 feet high. It actually goes 30 feet underground, too. And there's mm -hmm. actually moats under there. It was completed, actually, just as I was saying, about two years ago. It was when, uh, The Trump administration put a lot of money and helped Israel with, uh, completing it, putting a lot of money into it. And they were using a lot of high-tech um, technology. They weren't you know, before that, they had a lot of soldiers, people manning it. Yeah. They really had machine guns with cameras that were looking down, and that's how they would monitor the situation. So their mm -hmm. posture along the border was completely different than it's always been and very reliant on technology. In addition to all of that, this attack took place also um, during the Sabbath and a major Jewish holiday. Yeah. So that's also a big aspect that people have to understand. The force posture already wasn't too great. So uh, because of the Sabbath and this holiday, it was really, and there was no intelligence indicating, you know, something was about to happen. Whenever there's on high alert, they keep everyone on the base and, mm -hmm. you know, they beef up security. And this was actually the complete opposite. They yeah. um, didn't have that. Uh, and, and last thing, in addition, they really thought the threat was more in the West Bank than the North. And actually a month or so before this, they moved three major battalions from the Gaza Strip to the West Bank. So that's just to give a little bit of an understanding of the force posture and the type of you know, technology that they've been using in place of uh, manned soldiers. And then how, I mean, we can go on and on how they Hamas, you know, uh, followed through on this attack, how they took out that technology, how they disabled their communications. So, I mean, yeah. We can get into that, but if you want to get into, well, there, was there a big cyber component involved? You think, or to to on the comms and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's been reported, and um, from what I understand, yeah, there actually was major uh, cyber disruptions. They one of the bases that they originally hit, they, they were, this was very strategic. Um, they went after the headquarters of the Southern Gaza Division, which is responsible mm -hmm. for the entire yeah, Gaza perimeter and beyond. 
Mm -hmm. That was one of the first bases that was overrun with literally in the first half hour of the strike. Mm -hmm. um, they also took out the communications towers, so they were not able to communicate um, what was going on there to what's called the Kyria, which would be the defense ministry of the DOD in America, mm -hmm. uh, or the Pentagon rather, um, what was going on. So um, it was just chaos um, for the first couple hours. Um, so, and combine that with the assessment, the forward posture. Um, so that kind of just gives you a little bit of a, an assessment of how unprepared they were for this and how it really was a huge intelligence uh, failure. So we have a lot of issues with the woke coal agenda here in the U.S. and DOD. Do you have a similar situation in Israel where kind of the focus has been moved off security for the military? Yeah, that's another critical aspect. There's so much we can get into. So yeah. over the past nine months, there's been, a, I mean, Israel has never gotten to this um, uh, this level of hostility. I mean, there really was like on a level of, in civil war, just the hatred between fellow, you know, fellow Israelis, fellow Jews. Right. Um, right. It's a big dispute over uh, reforming the judiciary, basically. There were major protests, hundreds of, literally about 100,000 plus people were coming out for the past 39 weeks up until now. Beyond that, uh, this was never, it was always a red line. No matter what, you can disagree politically, but but never do you spread that into the IDF, never do you call for refusals. Even in 2005, I was there. I was actually in the IDF at the time, and they evacuated the Gaza Strip um, completely. They yeah. got 8,000 Jewish people. And even the Jews, the people that were living there, a lot of them were major higher ups in the army, um, and they were, you know, also thinking of, you know, kind of uh, doing something similar, but they you know, didn't. They didn't. The rabbis yeah. and the authorities said, well, "We cannot do that, even if this means evacuating." You, we just for being no Israel. Um, so this line was crossed, and um, I just. It's just very important to understand the context of that. Um, this is the first time in the history of Israel and the units that were really affected by this. Um, so there was about 10,000 people that said they're not going to you know, show up for reserve duty or active duty. Um, and the big units that were hit with that, that really affected um, things were mainly the Air Force, um, mm -hmm. which does a lot of reconnaissance and provides mm -hmm. intelligence. Yeah. Um, so if you literally miss a day or two, it, it affects everything. Like you have to do training again. It takes like weeks. Um, so that's one aspect. And also the certain higher, you know, intelligence units, it's called unit 8200, which is the equivalent of the NSA in America. That unit was uh, unfortunately, uh, the force posture was affected by this. Uh, so do you think there's going to be any recriminations or accountability for that line being crossed? In my opinion, there has to be. I mean, I think yeah. it's critical that that's a huge part of the history. I mean, this is going to be history. I mean, on yeah. the level of you know the Yom Kippur War that was a huge intelligence failure, and not to take this aspect and you know into, into beyond consideration to understand it, that it recorded. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's in my opinion it's critical for that to be a big part of this uh, story, and it was unfortunately a big part that played uh, right. on this failure. So cybers are usually, I mean, I, I highly doubt Hamas would have been able to do that. Do you think there's state actors involved, like possibly Iran, that helped them with this whole thing? 
Um, I mean, from what I'm understanding and what I'm hearing, I mean, Israel hasn't officially declared, you know, uh, Iran right. on anything on a very, very specific level. I mean, even the U.S. and well, of course, they provide them funds, provide them training. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there had to have been, I mean, the sophistication, the sophistication of certain uh, cyber activities that took place, I mean, were just beyond belief from what I understand. And yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it had to involve from what I, I would believe uh, state actors, and specifically right. Iran. And Iran is a, Iran also is a huge part of the story leading up to this whole attack. The narrative was not the narrative. I mean, the feeling in the country actually also changed. The uh, um, the prime minister was actually at the UN two weeks ago. Uh, peace with Saudi Arabia was like literally, literally imminent within a few weeks. I mean, not months, but like weeks. Mm -hmm. So Iran had a huge interest, and in Hamas is a proxy of those. I mean, right. they found them, they control them. They're the ones that call the shots, ultimately. I mean, they do not act independently, and especially on this level. Um, so Hamas, uh, Iran did not want uh, Saudi Arabia to be making peace with the US. So this, I mean, clearly as of now, achieved that call. Um, so that was a major component of this also. Yeah. Um, what about Hezbollah? I mean, that's the other proxy army to the north. Do you see activity from them at this point? Yeah. That's, so that's a big, that's also right now. I mean, a lot of people are asking, why hasn't the IDF already gone into Gaza? You know, mm -hmm. been sitting there for a couple of days. So that is a huge fear. So right now, up until now, the main intelligence assessment and preparations, they've had huge drills um, literally three weeks ago or a month ago, I believe. Um, involving civilians, military, everything. Hezbollah, which is on the north of Israel, um, is a proxy of Iran. Again, supported, same thing. Um, but they're um, a huge threat. They have 150,000 150, guided mm -hmm. rockets. I mean, these aren't like just you know mortars that just randomly hit places. Yeah. So even according to public assessments, uh, you could look this up. This is, I mean, give or take the numbers, uh, but even with it, everything they can possibly do overwhelmingly if Hezbollah were to get involved, you know, we're talking about probably about 10,000 Israelis dead mm -hmm. within 48 to 72 hours, critical infrastructure hit. I mean, it'll just be beyond mayhem. So Israel is utilizing this opportunity. That is the one thing they have been, and not the one thing that they really have been planning for this, for this type of attack. They do have the units, uh, so they've been activating them, getting them in place, activating, you know, civilian protocols. So right now, I mean, Iran is, again, like, they're publicly threatening. They said they, yeah. the public, they said, you know, go into Gaza, we're not going to stay on the sidelines, which basically means we're going to use our proxy Hezbollah, and you're going to be facing a multi-front war minimum. Uh, so, yeah, it's a major, major concern. The one saving grace i can say is israel that is has been the main fear of the intelligence community that has been the main assessment that has been the main threat the entire time they've always been focusing on this um, so right now they're putting in place uh, you know safety contingency plans that right. uh, have been prepared already 
Do you, do you have any idea of the ground force numbers for Hezbollah? Is, is it's, it's tens of thousands, right? Yeah. So yeah. Hamas is about 40,000 in the Gaza Strip. And uh -huh. yeah, we're talking about actually double that number, closer to 100,000, actually. Yeah. Hezbollah is actually a part of the Iranian government. I mean, right. Iran, the Iranian uh, nation right now is in tatters. I mean, their economy, just everything. I mean, so yeah. that's one aspect. There's a lot of situational assessments going on. Actually, I did an article the other day, the economy minister, mm -hmm. the economic minister for um, Lebanon, which is where Hezbollah is based out of, um, came out and said, you know, if a war were to break out, this would yeah. just completely send us back to the dark ages, was his quote, actually. Right. So oh, it's very serious. It's, yeah. I mean, this and this can go way beyond that, unfortunately. I mean, that's why the U.S. is also um forward operated two major ships i'm sure mm -hmm. people have read about um the two carrier battle groups yeah two carrier battle groups mm -hmm. that have, you know major capabilities missile wise plane wise uh, the, yeah. the ford and the eisenhower um so uh, you know they're very concerned that this can turn into a conflict involving literally directly iran uh so that's a whole other ball game i mean we're right we are uh, inches away from very dangerous, dangerous situations that can affect not just Israel, but the entire world and the world order. Well, that's the whole plan, maybe. So let's uh, go back to Gaza. What, what do you think? What, what's, do you have any information on the hostages that you can talk about? Or is there any of the, the locations known or anything like that? Um, I mean, there's something I'd like to just say that, um, right, I mean, number-wise, first of all, today they came out, um, mm -hmm. they're saying about 200 that are being mm -hmm. held by Hamas which is and 50 by uh, other groups. Um, and again, this also involves, I mean, the types of people that we're talking about, these is always in the past. I mean, I'm sure they've dealt with, you know, hostage negotiations and mm -hmm. which generally was an IDF soldier and they would trade them for a thousand, you know, terrorists. Right. They're demanding, you know, every single terrorist in Israel's prison, 5,000. Um, that's the deal on the table. But I mean, we're talking about literally foreign nationals from, I believe, at least 24 plus countries, uh, at least multiple Americans, uh, mm -hmm. people from the UK, um, and then women, children, babies, Holocaust survivors. I mean, the list mm -hmm. goes on and on, people with disabilities. Uh, so um, Israel right now, you know, has very specialized units. Um, so it is uh, because this involves also uh, U.S. hostages. Obviously, uh, the FBI has advanced teams on the ground um, or reported on the ground rather. Um, so yeah, they're right now they're they have been probing, you know, for intelligence. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is all on the fly. Right. I mean, we're talking about minimum two hundred people, and they're not just located in one place. I mean, these people aren't stupid. They're yeah. spread out all over the place. They have hundreds, literally at least 300 miles of underground tunnels. Some of them actually could have been already taken out into Egypt and possibly even brought to Iran. So um, there's definitely yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess on so many fronts. Um, but Israel is saying, you know, right now, the main goal is to just take out Hamas. Um, and yeah. So that, that remains the goal is to remove the Hamas from control in Gaza, correct? Yeah, I mean, their assessment up until I mean, until this broke out was that they were a rational enough player that they could be dealt with. Um, you know, that, they, that now the assessment has completely changed. This is a group that you know cannot 
involved in governance cannot mm -hmm. exist um, for the security of Israel. It would be, uh, you know, they have to uh, take them out. Um, it's going to be a long, it's going to be messy. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. That's why Israel has not gone into the Gaza Strip since 2014. Mm -hmm. about nine years. I mean, they've done everything since uh, then was always aerial operations and maybe their yeah. special units. But I mean, we're talking about tens of thousands of IDF soldiers going in. It's going to be a very bloody yeah, battle. Yeah. Yeah, they've been preparing for this. So it's uh, booby traps and, you know, fortifications and all that stuff. I'm sure. Yeah. It's tunnel warfare. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's. And uh, and for the and the civilians in the Gaza Strip, I mean, they're innocent people. They don't deserve mm -hmm. to die. Um, I, I mean, in a way, I kind of see this. Uh, I hope it will liberate them too from yes. these people, um, and they deserve a much better life than what they've been living now. And uh, it's going to be a very messy for a very long time, but ultimately, it's what needs to be done, and um, it'll be good for you know Israel has no interest whatsoever in rolling over the Gaza Strip. Mm. There's no interest in dealing with a population of two million people, but they do. You know, it would be they'd be more than happy to see two million people thriving. And um, right, I hope to see that day sooner than later. What about the Gulf nations in Egypt? Are they, are they stepping up to help? Humanitarian uh, wise, do you know? Yeah, um, interestingly enough, that's why it's very funny. They they talk a very big game how much they care about the Palestinians and their plight. Mm -hmm. But um, now when it comes to, I mean, just even the Sinai, they, Egypt was, is completely blocking them off. I mean, they, they mm -hmm. fortified the, the border between Egypt and um, and the Gaza Strip. There's something called the Rafa Crossing. That's the main crossing. They're going to allow some medical supplies and emergency supplies go in and uh, possibly evacuations of uh, certain foreign staff, but other than that, they will not take in a single Palestinian. Mm -hmm. They don't want it there. Uh, they see it as they see them as they're not saying this, but they see them as a security threat. Egypt has been fighting against, um, and Israel has been helping them for the past decade against uh, factions of ISIS within the Sinai. Um, so, and then there's the aspect of Jordan also. Uh, Jordan can take, you know, these people in, but um, just for their own well-being and safety for temporarily. Um, so, uh, no, they're, uh, they will not uh, take a single one in, and they're fortifying wow. their borders and uh, talking on the one hand, you know, uh, how much they care, but on the other hand, uh, will not do anything. Yeah, you know, the Gulf nations are building, and Saudi are building massive wealthy cities. You'd think they could deal with the Palestinian problem and build a city in the Sinai or something, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, uh, I mean, the Sinai, yeah, I mean, it's huge, and uh, a lot of people don't know this. I mean, Jordan, uh, I think it's 80% of their population is Palestinians, and mm -hmm. actually... If you want to go back to history, I don't want to get into too much, but um, yeah. historically, that was supposed to be a part of historically Israel, uh, trans, and it became Transjordan. So it's a monarch, King Abdullah, that's, mm -hmm. but the population is 80% uh, that identify or Palestinian, rather. So right. it's uh, quasi against Palestinians, they call Jordan. Understand. So, uh, last question um, What about Bibi? Where does he? How does he stand politically in all this? Or can you talk about it? 
Um, yeah, I could speak about it. I mean, overall, that's like a lot of people have been, you know, there's been a lot, you know, the conspiracies out there. I mean, this has, I don't, there's, this is a disaster for him, a disaster. I mean, he mm -hmm. spent his entire, his longest serving prime minister in the history of Israel. He spent his entire prime minister, his entire time just being trying to defend Israel on every area, every aspect. Um, and usually during war, there is, you know, a rallying around the leader. Yeah. According to public polling right now, you know, his polling has gone down tremendously. His party has gone down tremendously. So um, he's literally, you know, not in a good uh, situation uh, politically. Um, so there'll be a reckoning going forward. Um, to what extent we'll see um, after the fighting is over with hopefully sooner than later but um there's uh it's not uh it's the last thing he ever would ever want trust me ever. yeah okay anything else you want people to know or uh, uh, uh what's happening yeah just um you know just uh yeah, alert. There's a lot of disinformation out there. I'm not trying to convince anyone one way or the other, but you know, I'm just I'm for peace for everyone. I'm not, you know, speaking you know, just from an Israeli perspective. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just take some passion out of it. Don't you know? Think with your mind, not so much with emotionally. Israel mm -hmm. too. I hope that they act also that way. They not act out of emotion, act out of logic, um, and take the bigger picture in and. Uh, Pay for the peace of uh, the Middle East and the peace of the world. Um, yeah, definitely, because we don't want this to grow into a massive global conflict. Obviously. Yeah, and uh, fortunately, it's uh, <laughs> on. Uh, yeah, on very close to that. Um, as yeah, well, right now, but uh, hopefully, the tide will turn and uh, turn it a leaf and a new page. But uh, it's going to be definitely tough for the next uh, few months and. Uh, Things. We'll see how things go from there. Josh, thanks. We'll have you back if you're open to it, you know, down the road as things develop. But uh, yeah, thank you for your time. I know you're busy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we definitely look forward to coming on again. Excellent. Take care. All right, you too. Thank you. Sure. Bye.